You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Dev Show. I'm Deborah Eckerling, author of Your Goal Guide and founder of The Dev Method, which is my system for goal setting simplified. My vision is to give you the tools, inspiration, and motivation you need to figure out what you want and help you make a plan to get it. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited to have you here today. And I have to admit, we were having so much fun chatting backstage that I'm like, oh, it's time to go live. So here we are. And this is the way we are setting up today's conversation. I'm Deborah Eckerling, author of Your Goal Guide and creator of The Dev Method for Goal Setting Simplified. I am all about helping people elevate themselves and achieving their goals but also about helping them prepare for and getting the most out of the events they attend. So this is me. And today, the only thing I love, it's kind of a tie. I love goals and I love speaking. And today we're talking speaking goals. So I'm, I'm so jazzed. I have my friend Bobby Carlton, who's the founder of Innovation Women, my buddy, John Chen, the engaging virtual meetings guy, and Robbie Samuels, the poster child for No More Bad Zoom. And I'm going to let themselves introduce themselves because, well, we're talking about speaking. So let's go, friends. Uh, Bobby, let's start with you. Oh, thank you so much. And hey, everybody. I'm Bobby Carlton. I'm the founder of Innovation Women. Innovation Women is a mission-oriented group. We are focused on building community around getting more women on stage at conferences and events. And we help directly connect event managers and awesome speakers who just happen to be women or their allies. Back to you. Yes. And, and we are all innovation women members. Um, Yay for here. allies. <laughs> awesome. And and the thing that really kind of baffles me is I haven't known the three. Well, I didn't meet you all until pandemic times, but I feel like you are so my people that I've known you all forever. And I love anything that uplifts people, which is what you all do in essence is amazing. And you were all, I feel like I should add, well, I don't feel like I will. You were all on in October talking about engaging virtual meetings, which is by the way, you know, what you all do anyway, and John's tagline. And we had, we basically scheduled this before we were done with the last conversation. So I'm kind of wondering, what are we going to schedule during this one? Anyway, um, I know thinking, thinking. Oh, and I should say, so every Monday I go live at 4 p.m. Pacific and on Thursday it magically becomes an episode of the Dev Show podcast. So whether you're watching live, the replay, or listening to us, we're glad you're here. Um, so the motion Bobby just made was like a thinking motion for those listening. Anyway, and now John is doing it. No, this is, this is audio. People. Okay, John, please introduce yourself. 
Deb will soon lose control of this meeting. But before she does, I first have to say, I am a user of Innovation Women Conference, and I just got booked on my fifth conference because one of her things that she lists is all these upcoming conferences. I only apply to virtual and hybrid. And Bobby, I just want to personally say thank you to you right now. So thank you for that. That's awesome. And we're just uplifting all of each other. I'm one of your, what do you call them? There's a um, man ally. What do you call that? You have male allies. So I'm a male ally. And uh, I'm John Chan. I'm the author of Engaging Virtual Meetings. And Deborah Eckling, you know, well, one thing is that uh, this year is an adventure. And so I just want to share some of that adventure here with you and your audience. Because what's happening now? Oh, God. I built a walk desk. That's enormous. Let me just show you. Yeah, that's right. There are six screens here, a keyboard, and a treadmill, Deborah, that cost $12. I'm currently on step number 12,000 today, and I'm about to hit my health goals while still having engaging virtual meetings. Back to you, Deb. <laughs> wow. I love how you make everything an event. But isn't that what we're talking about? Speaking events, being with the people. So fabulous. Well, what you'll love, Deb, is one is now I can actually speak from this desk. I couldn't do that in the first version. And number two, it was my goal to have a walk desk, right? And be able to clock 10,000 steps, um, you know, about three or four times a week. And this is my incarnation of it. So I set a goal, a Deb goal, by the way, and I'm making it. Yay. Oh, well, wait, you're just wanting that gold star. So here you go. Everybody will get one by the time we're done with this conversation. By the way, if you're tuning in, you get a gold star because you chose yourself and your speaking goals. John, you're getting me a little dizzy. I'm going to go over to Robbie now. (laughs) I promise to be stationary. Thank you. (laughs) I promise to be stationary. So thank you for inviting me. Um, I I think it's really awesome that we're getting back together to talk about speaking. Uh, For me, you know, speaking has changed so much pre pandemic, I was all about the in-person conferences, wrote a book about networking at conferences, but a lot has changed since that book came out in 2017. Uh, Now I'm a virtual event design consultant and an executive Zoom producer. My third book is coming out and it's called Break Out of Boredom, Low-Tech Solutions for Highly Engaging Zoom Events, because I believe events are about the promise of both content and connection, and we need to design events that fulfill that promise and helps people create um, the goals that they've set out as, as presenters and speakers, conveners, hosts, et cetera. So um, yeah. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of the work that Bobby does with innovation women as well. And um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for for inviting me. Oh, well, this is going to, like I said, be fun. (laughs) Now I feel like everybody's like, okay, Deb, wasn't as fun as I thought it was. Yes, it was. Speaking is fun. Or at least I think so. When when I do my intro, I always say I'm a fan of, um, what is it? Cooking for productivity, dancing for exercise, and speaking for fun. Those are my my three little things because it gets you out there. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you want to be known, if you want to make an impact, you have to speak, which I believe is how we digress onto this. So please, um, what do you believe is the value of speaking? And let's start with you, Bobby. So I have to address the the topic at the the top of the chart here first. So when we talk about goals for speaking, 
I have some very specific goals. So I talk to people about the fact that Innovation Women's mission is to eliminate what I call the male pale and stale. So the same four old white guys over and over again. Not that I have anything against old white guys. I actually happen to be married to one. But the idea of the same people over and over again on stage is what I'm battling. So my goal, personal goal, is I took the numbers from a company called Bizabo, where they looked at something like 60,000 speakers and realized that two thirds of them were men uh, and said, okay, I need to get to 50-50 gender equity on stage. And that's where I started everything. And you heard me earlier saying that Innovation Women is like 2,000 really awesome women and a handful of really secure male allies. But we also have other people who are not identifying as either on the platform. So really, it's a lot of the under um, recognized and underutilized speakers that we are supporting at Innovation Women. So my goal is to really focus on getting people that you wouldn't ordinarily see on stage on stage. And so that's, that's my goal. And the value that I see for that is I look at what women have been shortchanged in. So things like getting funded for their startups, getting equal pay for equal work, uh, salary equity, um, getting seen as leaders and thought leaders. You know, if we all close our eyes and say, who's a leader? Generally, we have been brainwashed to the extent of it's an older white male. So we need to actually get these people on stage, different people on stage in order to unbrainwash us uh, so that we do see that everybody could potentially be a thought leader. So that was a really long and convoluted way to answer that question. <laughs> I have to tell you, though, I once had male. Actually, I don't think it was all men. One of my panels, they just kept mentioning books by men. I I can't even re recall the topic, but it was they were talking about all these male sales leaders. And I kept, well, first of all, I kept thinking, goals, right? But it was really bothering me because first of all, it was men, but they were all old guard men. So as in not even the century, a lot of them. So what you do, and I was just emailing someone today because I've been sending my link <laughs> to Innovation Women to like every woman I know. Um, what is the value? And it's like the value is the community and the mission of the community. And I do think that um, one of the reasons that we renamed our Friday morning drop-in Zoom calls, it, we call it Speaker Friend Friday. And having a group of near peers who are trying to do the same thing, maybe they're a little ahead of you in some areas, you're ahead of them in other areas, just having a supportive group around you is going to help you so much like there's just such a, a community that's built around innovation women speaker friends and it's really been helpful i think for people to learn new things connect with new people expand your universe 
So if I were to like put everything you just said about the value of speaking into like a nice pithy phrase for the recap, what would I say? I think that if you're looking at the value of public speaking, it's becoming visible, becoming known, the career and business growth and success that you drive. That's perfect. And I completely agree. And John was saying in the in the chat that a major conference just had a panel of three white males. No, wow, I really would have loved to have seen that. Were you there? Uh, I was in the virtual audience. And look, this is 2023. And Bobby's data is still spot on. And it was uh, for this large organization who also recently came out and said that diversity and representation is of their values. And this panel not only spurred uh, talking in the audience, but the virtual chat went off. And nobody could believe how many people did you have to get through where somebody wouldn't say our best move for this conference to represent this really amazing organization is to put three white males up here. And so that that's, if you want some of the other values of speaking, I, I have see uh, Stacy Crawford here in the chat, you know, not only is it fun, but I think that the speaking is, is one is, is that it allows you to influence one or more people. It's the platform. Right. Like it, that's um, I know speak, National Speakers Association at one time tried to, you know, rename themselves either influence or platform or something like platform. that. And, yeah. Didn't platform. Go, yeah, platform. Over. yeah. Yeah. So, so I know. Yeah, it didn't well, but, <laughs> but the second part that I think is so important is that representation. And the reason for that, Bobby, I think like for all of us who feel, may have felt underrepresented at any point in time in, in our, our current lifetimes, that when we see somebody else up there. Right. Then then we start to believe ourselves going, wait a minute, wait, we can if she can do that, he can do that. I can do that. And I think that's such an important factor that everybody who's listening to this, if you are setting a speaker goal. In fact, I just met somebody in Canada and she had like shied away from speaking, but she's an amazing speaker. So I challenged her immediately. I said, go get, you know, have get on my interview show and like get over that part so you can get onto the bigger things and the bigger stages. You know, so if you are out there and you have a speaker goal, find a place to speak. There are more places than you think. And if you That's don't. That's a later question. Oh, You're sorry. But if you don't <laughs> do it for yourself, do it for the rest of the people that look and, and represent who you represent, right? Who might look or, or sound like you. So. Because when people see anything as probable, they will know it's also probable and possible for them. Uh, Greg, shout out to Stacia and also to Joe Welsh is here. And I saw Dina Hankey earlier in the chat. I know I owe you a message and I will do so. So <laughs> glad to see you all. And if you're, you're watching live, please share or even the replay, please share what the value you think of speaking is. And Robbie, your turn. You've been so patient. I think that the value of speaking is uh, actually getting to practice what you believe and like put it out there in the world and fine tuning, seeing what resonates. Because if you're writing something, but you're not getting feedback, you may not be writing something that resonates with an audience. So part of what happens when you're speaking is that there's an audience there. That audience might be watching a video, right? They may not be watching you in the same room and they may not be watching you live, but there's, a, there's an interactive piece that you're going to get a lot quicker response to 
your nuggets of knowledge than you might if you wait a long time to put out a piece of content like a book. Um, but I also think what's powerful right now is the ability to create our own speaking opportunities and to use speaking to also create community um, and to gather and attract the kind of people we want to be around. So I think speaking has so many like um, great opportunities and that it's a very broad thing. It's no longer just a keynote speaker. It's sort of what Bobby said, you know, it used to be key, you know, keynote speaker was speaker. And now it's like, oh, there's a lot of variations of that there's the workshop presenter, there's the trainer, there's the podcast guest, right? So there's just a lot of opportunities that I think people have to redefine what that means. And National Speakers Association is actually really kind of pushed to expand the definition. If you use the spoken word, that's, that's a very broad definition, whether it's in a company or for yourself. Um, so I, there's tremendous value in getting out there and sharing what you know. And Joe just wrote inclusion, captions, interpreters, so you can d- diversify your speaker list, build it, and then invite people. Yes, accessibility, I think, is huge. And that's another part of why we love virtual events, too, because there's such a low barrier to entry and fewer things you need to juggle in order to be places. And this really... <laughs> This really transitions nicely into the question that John started answering, but surprise, Robbie gets to answer it first. What are the different types of speaking opportunities? Because it really is, I mean, this is speaking. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, we are speaking. And I love the whole virtual thing that has happened over the last few years. Um, I usually point back to my trip to South by Southwest one year when I had broken my leg and I was running around, not really running, but (laughs) trying to move around with a walking boot. And it just gave me such an appreciation for the difficulty of just getting around to any conference or an event. I mean, I spent way more than I should have that year on pedicabs and taxis and everything else because I could not get around. And I covered a fraction of the territory I've done in previous years. And, you know, like, meanwhile, I could have done that whole conference remotely with my leg up. And that really, I think, is one of those things that makes you go, oh, I have this position of privilege because I can walk around with ease. So I really think that's incredibly important to think about. It's not just women. It's not just people of color. It is not, you know, representation in terms of gender identities. It's all kinds of different people are not represented at conferences, not either in the audience or on stage. And we need to get those different perspectives because you forget, you know, you have, you're coming to things from a place of privilege. And yes, I may be not privileged in not being a a male, but I have other places of privilege that I'm coming from. So I think we need to have all those perspectives anytime we're having a panel discussion, for example, or having a different groups of speakers come one after another. Do they all look alike? Well, then we have a problem. Yes. And we don't all look alike. So yay. Points to us, right? Shocking. (laughs) So, Robbie, what what are some of your and 
I love what you were saying before about, because it is kind of practice. And when you go up on stage and I always say, when I started doing my pep talks, my pre-event planning workshops, I started doing them for the California Creative Writers Conference, virtual conference. And I said, oh yeah, you're my comedy store. The best place to test out material is with these groups where you're comfortable. And then you could go. So that's my, one of my takes. Robbie. I remember um, back in 2000, maybe five or six, I started doing a talk and um, I was doing it pro bono before I knew what the word pro bono really meant in the context of, of this, but I was just offering it because I had a content about networking. I was helping some groups out. And then in 2009, uh, my friend was on the board of an organization that had a meeting in DC and she said, uh, they need help with fundraising. She's like, I know you do a talk on networking, but that you are a fundraiser. Will you come to DC and do a talk on fundraising? And I went, yes. <laughs> and that was my first paid gig, a whopping $200 to get me. And they paid my plane ticket and I had to stay in my friend's hotel room. I mean, it was definitely a first timer. Yes. <laughs> a never again. Yes. But it got me there and it got me thinking about getting paid. And then I kept doing the networking talk and the fundraising talk. And eventually I started asking for more and more money. I was able to mentally wrap my head around it. But you know what else happened? It got better. I created a lot more content. I got to the point with the networking one, Art of the Schmooze. I did that for over 10 years. You know, whether you need 45 minutes or three days, like, what do you need? Like, I'm here. And I think that's what ultimately led me to write a book because at some point you realize, you could speak a lot shorter if you can point to a book and say, and I'll go into more detail in my book on, you know, the second chapter. So it's, it's funny how one thing sort of leads to another and you suddenly have a platform. People are listening to you. You're seeing an impact. And particularly in that moment, I was speaking at events right before the networking reception and seeing how it worked. And now I'm teaching people about virtual events and how to use low tech solutions for creating highly engaging Zoom events. And I'm getting instant feedback from people saying, I just tried that thing you said that totally worked. <laughs> so I think that's that's one of the things that drives me and, and makes me want to keep speaking. And I love that now we've got podcast guesting is a big opportunity. Um, I have been hosting a podcast, thus the fancy mic for those who are watching. Um, and I've been doing that since uh, 2015, 2016 timeframe. Again, create your own platforms. I mean, back in in-person days, I used to host a, a monthly speaking, um, I don't even know, like professional speaking uh, group. And I did half the talks <laughs> every other month. <laughs> I was the guest. And that was, you know, giving me a platform. And then the other months I invited friends in. So just whether it's your local library, whether it's um, something you're doing on Zoom, whether it's you uh, hosting your own podcast, I am such a proponent of of creating something of yourself. Because yes, we should have opportunities that Bobby's talking about, but you'll feel a lot more confident to go after the opportunities if you know you have something of value to offer. And I think that's the part that stops a lot of people from really putting their name in a hat, not people who have privilege because they just assume they're going to be fine and everyone loves them. But other people who maybe haven't had that experience in life, I think going in, having already received great accolades and great responses and feedback and knowing your value is there, that's how you end up charging the right amount. And that's how you end up saying yes to opportunities that maybe you were a little unclear were in your lane, but you really deserve to be there. 
And Deb, I'd love to elevate Robbie here because I finally got a chance to see him where he's earned the role to be the host for National Speakers Association for a networking event. Yeah. And Robbie, Amazing. Does, yeah, he does a fantastic job because it's not only speaking here, like in like Deborah is doing as a, as a podcast host. Sometimes it's meeting at that. And, and let me just tell you, there's nothing worse than mediating a whole bunch of professional speakers. And Robbie does it with uh, ease and value where everybody got a chance. All these other speakers got a chance to meet each other. So uh, that's a cra- great place that you can elevate yourself to. And congratulations on that, Robbie. Uh, you do a great job. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you for that. And we have Bobby, who we've talked about your platform, which is wonderful, but this is what we do, right? Uh, Well, actually, what I mentioned in the chat was actually another thing that I did. Oh, that's right. So I started an event in the Boston market called Innovation Nights and literally never thought about the fact that I was going to have to be the host. (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah, like that first night, it's like, oops, I think people want me to talk and say things. Uh Uh-oh. That first night was like a horror show. I looked really hot and sweaty because I was. But, you know, it was, uh, what did they say? Hot mess. That's the word. I was a literal hot mess. You'll love this quote, though. You know, Allison, who is the Olympic um, a woman who, uh, what you know, she was pregnant and she turned down a Nike yeah. deal, right? She gave us, I thought, the best quote. And the best quote is this. You can use your, vo- your voice even if your voice is shaky. <laughs> nice. Ooh. Very nice. Bobby I was Carlton very shaky one, that first night. Bobby Carlton night one. But you get you get used to doing it and you do it every single month over and over and over again. And, you know, by the 130th event, you figure out you have to have something I'm doing right. So, Deb, this is important for those who have the goal who want to speak too, right? To, to be a great speaker, you got to suck at least once. <laughs> well, judge me on my last three attempts, not my first three attempts of anything. <laughs> Right. You, know, you only get better by doing it, not by thinking about it. So for those who are hesitant, right, who have the perfectionist bit, you'll never get there unless mm-hmm. until you accept that first position, whether it's two hundred dollars pro bono or eleven billion dollars. You got to speak once before you can speak. Great. Speak once, speak dozens of times. I mean, I did competitive public speaking in college. That was what was fu- I told you I like speaking for fun. But some of actually my friend Jen, who was on last week, we were friends. We were on the speech team together. And that's how we bonded and became friends. And now it's a lot of more years later. But find these opportunities. And I know a lot of people talk about Hostmasters, National Speakers Association, but I really like the idea that podcasting is a is like one of the easiest, lowest barriers of entry to speak. Because you are talking and people are listening. Okay. And you're not distracted. <laughs> uh, Robbie? Particularly if it's on someone else's um, platform. Because I think being a host of, a, of an ongoing podcast is work and should not be said yes to lightly. It's a real commitment to do it well. But saying, I want to be on 10 shows in the next six months that's totally doable. And I think for people who've not been on shows, it sounds like a lot. But once you get to 10, you'll have a system that will make it easy to do 20 in the next six months after that. Like, once you understand how to do it, it's a process. And it's sort of like, 
you know, it feels like an overwhelming thing. But if you have a message, you find an audience that's already built and that host brings you in, that host will also give you the authority. Um, my favorite thing is actually to speak at membership groups. I get yes. um, a lot better conversion as far as people following up with me, either to work with me or support me or just engage with me. If it's a membership group where people like, like Bobby's Innovation Women, they're committed to being as part of that community. They're paying a little bit to be part of the community. They're 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 thinking of themselves in that community spirit. And so I get invited into Bob to Bobby's space. Bobby's sort of acknowledging me as this like expert who comes in. And then whether there is 12 people in the room or 50 people in the room, I get more back and forth conversation in this space and after than a lot of podcasts that I'm on. So I've, I like looking for both these opportunities, getting on shows, getting on people's lives. I never say no. I don't say, oh, this is your first, you know, it's only your second episode. I'm not going to do it. I'm like, let's do it. Because I'm like you. I don't, I only need one person in the audience to feel like that's my message. Um, totally is me you're talking about. And I actually had a coaching client, heard me on a podcast, went to my website, signed up for all of my freebies, booked a call with me. I get this calendar invite. I'm like, what, who is this person? They pop into my inbox left and right. And that person became a, a coaching prospect from one conversation because she saw, she heard me like on a podcast. So I think speaking is just so about getting out there and spreading your message, having people find you. Yeah. And Deb, I got to add on to Robbie's piece here because not only is this podcasting a great format, what's emerging now is all the virtual meetings. Basically, if you get a free Zoom account, you can host people for free for 40 minutes. But even better now is the advent of this live streaming, YouTube, and now TikTok and Reels. And what I mean by that is that if you have a message you can test the message in like 60 seconds or less because that's the maximum length of some of these short videos. And some people have made entire careers out of that. My last one that I heard about that was great, Miss Excel loses her jobs, posts a video on TikTok about uh, how you can do cool things in Excel. And now she has a seven-digit company and she works something like four hours a day. So, you know, I'm just going to give you this piece of advice, which is fail faster. Right. And, and I think these short form videos will show you they, they still require speaking and communication co abilities. And you'll find out your reel gets no views that, that don't use that message anymore. But if you click on something, right, you'll never know. There was another person, Spokane, Washington. He was an out of cook chef and started cooking and actually got a sponsorship from a spice company because he clocked a million views or more. So I think that's the key with messages now. It's moving even faster than it used to before. Mm-hmm. We've got we've got some more friends in the audience today. Precious Killer Pitchmaster Williams is here. And thank you for watching and a happy birthday. I saw you celebrating over the weekend. Great to see you. Um, and Melissa Green, who I know from when Gold Chat was a Twitter chat, now it's LinkedIn group, but from from that edge of the gold chat sphere. And Melissa is um an accessibility. Um, advocate and the value of speaking is getting your message out there absolutely but this is the phrase that she said in the chat let's make America accessible wow absolutely wow okay America you heard you heard it mm -hmm. do it yeah well and, can I, I 
Yes, please. Yeah. Well, I just want to speak to that because there's some really specific things. I didn't mean to cut off Shelly. So Shelly, thank you for your shout out. Um, I've been giving a lot of thought to this as a speaker. Um, and I and my background, of course, is really in-person events, but I've been thinking more about this in person in, in the virtual space. But there's some things that we can do as speakers to be more inclusive. And it's from language choices to how we deliver, what we put on our slides, the font choices we use. I mean, there's there's more than I can cover here. I, I just want to make people curious about how to actualize that great statement about making America accessible. And that every time we speak, are we are we making sure there's captions on things that are being on videos that are being played? Um, yeah. Are we using the built-in captions or, or hiring um, support team to to provide live captions? Are we um, pausing when the slide goes up so people can read the slide for a moment before we start talking about? It? Are we building our slides so that we don't have all the content on the first slide? We come build it over time. There's just all these things, all of which are in my book. But I've been thinking a lot about this because I don't actually present with slides very often. And now I have a talk where slides really make sense. It's not just theoretical ideas around networking, but it's like tactical things to do on Zoom. And I had to relearn how to use slides correctly because I had sort of eschewed them because I found them lousy. <laughs> this is a long time ago. And now I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, like, let's do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think we have all gotten a little bit in our stuck in our way sometimes about how we do things. We're using old slides from a long time ago that are still four by three because that's, they were designed for in-person and they look awful online. They're not 16 by nine. And you look, you don't look like a professional. <laughs> Sorry to tell you, it's very cringeworthy. John and I are over here like, please stop doing that. <laughs> and this yes, is, yes. Melissa, not everyone is not just for sight. People might not be looking at your slides because they're driving their kid to school and listening in. Like there's a lot of reasons to read out every major point on your slide and describe any image that is not just there for show. So sorry, John, I cut you. Yeah, no, I, we're just, gotcha. we're, we're on the same like a wavelength right now. Cause, and I just want to give a shout out to Samantha Evans, who's an accessibility expert. And one of the pieces here, like, Watch, we can simply do this. If the three of you can kind of like uh, jump in on this here. Audio descriptors for yourself. So when you come to stage, all it takes is 30 seconds to change your level accessibility. And it sounds like this. Hi, I'm John Chen. I'm the author of Engaging Virtual Meetings. I'm a 55-year-old uh, Asian male who's wearing a purple shirt and in a very cool green office with an ocean in the background. And now, then go on to your first point. The audio descriptors that you make and doing things like slowing down a little bit. Hard for me, I know. <laughs> are all things that you can do that can really increase the accessibility of your program. So audio descriptors of your slides and, you know, an audio descriptor of yourself. And I can reference this one conference, AXCON, A-X-E-C-O-N, is to me one of the top accessibility conferences for virtual. And it's free. So there's no excuse. You should go see what the latest trends are and see which ones you can implement uh, now, and by the way, Zoom, I can also chat in one more. Zoom's got a feature now, five bucks a month. You can speak in English and the captions can come out in 14 languages, right? And you can come out in English for free. So actually somebody else and I uh, just had a tirade about another organization that said, we can't provide that service. It's free. Just turn it on, even if nobody uses it. Because that was the other excuse, Robbie. They said, well, nobody has requested it. Maybe people don't even know to ask. Just turn it on. It's free. 
And well, there are reasons people might need it that have nothing to do uh, with uh, audio. It's, yeah. it's it's helping people perceive the content, getting them, you know, sometimes language barriers. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I agree. Not only are these things either free or low cost, but it's about putting it forward. I mean, I've just started putting photo descriptions in my social media posts. So it's not like I'm ahead of the curve yet. I know there's still more to do, but I... I think that this is where we can strive every time we speak, wherever we speak, whatever the platform is, to get 5% better. And some of that is about accessibility. Like the 5%, the growth edges for us might be around that. Because once you have a platform, once you are a speaker and you have a microphone, people look up to you. So that's the other thing, Deb, about this is that you, just by having a microphone and being invited to speak, you're an authority. Whether you know anything on the topic or not, you're perceived as having authority. If there's a... If there's a fire alarm and you're on stage, you are in charge of that room and you cannot abscond and like just leave the microphone sitting there and run out. <laughs> like you have to help get everyone out to safety. You are in charge, whether you know where the exits are or not. By the way, you should know as a speaker where all the <laughs> exits are, just in case you ever have this responsibility. Please but this is like, walk. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's, I just think it's, it's just the kind of thing that we don't realize like what, you you kind of get bestowed upon you once you get the microphone. I too many thoughts simultaneously, uh, but uh, we'll start with what you just were talking about. As the authority, you're like the king or the queen or the whatever of the room. You are commanding the room, and you are the person people are looking up to for information. And it's not just about what you have to say. So I really love that you, you push that forward. We've got such a wonderful chat. Samantha Evans, because you tagged her, joined us. So uh, hi, Samantha. Thank you. Um, Bobby, do you have anything you want to add on the accessibility front? I love yes. tangents and I always anticipate them with this group. So yay. <laughs> so one of the things that I think is, is super important about diversity, equity, and inclusion is what it does in terms of helping you drive accessibility. For example, when was the last time that you built a slide deck thinking that maybe somebody in the audience is colorblind and your chart where you're like, look at the red section of this pie chart or the green section of this pie chart and see you know, how what percentage of people think X? And you're like, oh, that doesn't work if I'm red, green, colorblind. Like, but having, knowing somebody who is, who looks at your slides and goes, that's useless, that gives you that perspective. Every time you are getting different people on stage with you, sitting next to you in the audience, and you are just expanding your knowledge about what is necessary for you to do as a speaker and a presenter. Just another reason for diversity and inclusion when you're thinking about who is on stage. It's the big picture. It's going back to what Robbie was saying. You're, you're the authority, but you're also the lead. When you look at things from the DEI perspective, then you're going to get more questions that will help you answer and make it a more accessible experience. Exactly. And I think, 
you know, when I started Innovation Women, my perspective was limited. I was coming at it from the perspective of a woman who was sitting in the audience next to a bunch of other women saying, why aren't we on stage? And, you know, it took me a little while to say, you know what? Innovation women can be about more than just women. Maybe if I thought about it earlier, I might have renamed it. But um, I will say that, you know, it's it's effective in terms of inviting people who maybe aren't women uh, to join the conversation. And it's effective in terms of the work that we can do. I mean, that we know of, we have made more than 5,000 connections between event managers and speakers. Those are just the ones we know of because yeah. not every speaker tells me after I've directly connected them to an event manager, oh, I got that one. But, you know, we do find out sometimes eventually, sometimes never. But the ones that we know of, we know that those connections are working and we know the emphasis and the focus on Gender equity is just a start. Now, Deb, I, I really have the most inclusive slide. So can I show you this most inclusive slide? Uh, could A, could I stop you? And B, of course. It, this is. This oh. is <laughs> wow. So this is a slide that is all text. Yeah. That you cannot even read. There are four bullets, but each bullet is a paragraph <laughs> of about six lines of text. And the top it says Chilean exports. Uh, um, sarcasm. The bottom says congratulations, however, on having such good eyesight. So it's just basically <laughs> teasing you that if you've read this far, your eyes are probably hurt. And you've been reading this tedious, long-winded text oh, instead no. of listening to me. I'm insulted. Can't you see I'm doing a presentation? <laughs> it's hysterical. I mean, it's a great meme. I... Unfortunately, the person up at the front of the stage was probably reading that with the back of the audience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and thinking, and then tried to do it under inclusive practice, saying, You guys, that's your classic like, collectively group told me. To so play. that was a real thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, I actually have this. It was um, from a presentation that was called The Worst Presentations Ever. Yeah. Ah. Uh, it's a meme. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. And it was blue. On top of that, it was blue, right? All we need is blue, red, and I remember I'm trying to think what the other color green would probably be a, all the most difficult colors to contrast read. Yeah. So well, actually you also had it with a dark background with light text. That makes it <laughs> even harder. Yeah. I mean, if it's less than 18 point font, if it doesn't have a contrast between colors of 4.5 or higher, I mean, there's just some really specific things to know. Um and the colors that you should label your charts and, and so that they don't just rely on colors anyway. I mean, there's some of this is again, like it, when we know our stuff, we don't think about these things. I'm in the middle of laying out a book and my editor had to point out that I was putting the word figure 2.1 in the wrong spot because of course I know what image this is referring to. And like, she's like, no, 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 it needs to go here. And I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. Like, you know, like it, we're too close to it. We understand it too well. We wouldn't think others would have trouble getting other people's opinions, you know, is really key listening to feedback. I know as a speaker, one of the things that's really hard is when you get one person who gives you less than a five rating, everyone gives you five ratings. And this kebab this comes up all the time on the Friday calls. We're like, well, there was this one person, but in sometimes it's a gift. Sometimes it's just annoying. Sometimes though, it, well, sometimes it's annoying and it's a gift. I'll be honest. But it's it's a gift because they might be the one who says, you know, hey, your slides, blah, 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 or you were talking too fast. Or I actually had a um, 
I stopped using slides years ago because a sign language interpreter told me that I was speaking about something not on the slide because I, I was just telling stories that weren't on my slide deck. And he said that that is very confusing. He, he was trying to explain to the person what I was talking about when they're looking at something else. And I thought, oh, that's probably true for everyone in the room, not just the person who's being um, in conversation in sign language. So I thought, well, I can't do this well. I'm going to not do it for now. And now a decade later, I'm, I'm back at using slides. So Robbie, too, I got to join because, you know, Bobby's story about trying to do a conference with like and having like a boot or whatever a cast on or something like that. I had a conference like that, too. And I had, was in a, a cast with crutches. And my solution, because I, I go, oh, how, how am I going to walk the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas? It's an enormous hotel. Right. And I came back to it and I finally go, oh, I'm in Vegas. Right. I'm in Vegas. All I got to do is say that I need a, a, an electric wheelchair because there's electric wheelchairs everywhere in Vegas. It was only cost me $180 because the hotel subsidized most of the cost because all they want you to do is get into the casino. And so you want an enlightenment is get in the shoes of each of these people that we're talking about. And then I got literally in the wheels of these people. And there were so many things like there was a Starbucks where I could not navigate the turn that they had laid out with the stanchions around there. And I had to go talk to the manager and I would have never realized these things. You know, uh, I love Tracy Stuckrath too, who has a great podcast called eating at a meeting. She says, when you lay out the food, just put a chair there, sit there as if you were in a wheelchair and try and access the food. Somebody had put the bagels across the toaster, meaning that you were going to burn your arm going to grab a toaster and nobody thought about it. You want to be a better person, put yourself in people's shoes. I went to a conference in Austin uh, mid fall last year where the snacks I looked at and there was one table where they had all of the afternoon snacks, all the healthy options. Every single one of the healthy options had nuts in it. And I'm like the most common food allergy. I happen to be allergic to tree nuts, so I know this. Fortunately, they were all labeled, so I knew not to go anywhere near there. But what you had then was everybody who was eating all of these nuts and then reaching out to shake my hand. And I'm like, please, no. Happy pen. <laughs> you know, so my, my pet peeve. When it comes to uh, access is actually soap in the bathrooms. Um, the dispenser is always so high up. And the other day it was in the corner behind the garbage can. I had trouble reaching it. So I now have little kids. They can't use soap unless it's uh, eye height to them. And if you're sitting in a chair, you better carry, you know, hand sanitizer with you everywhere you go. So even if the bathroom is accessible and you can turn around and it actually is big enough for a motorized wheelchair, which is different than non-motorized wheelchair. There aren't boxes in the hallway. When I when I was doing in-person events, these are the kind of things we would strive to figure out. Like, is there an elevator? Is the elevator working? <laughs> like, is there going to be a pile of trash in the elevator because they only use it to take the trash out? I mean, it's, it's like amazing when you call a place and they tell you, yeah, yeah, we're fine, but it's a back alley through a dumpster, <laughs> like, you know, over needles, like you're like, this is not a way you're welcoming people into this event. So I, 
I really think that as we're getting back to in person, we should do better because if people leave their house, it better be worth it. Like the, from the entire experience, it should be worth the effort of going uh, because now we can stay home and have really wonderful virtual experiences and connect and engage. So if, and I'm a huge extrovert. I love people. I'm an outgoing expert. My threshold for going to even my local gay chamber is really, really high. I'm like, hmm, this LGBT thing is a, it's kind of rainy out. I mean, it's in the forecast. I don't know. It could rain. <laughs> it's misty. I'm not, and I, I tell you, I used to be out four ni- times a, a night. I mean, I went to everything back are, in the are day. You sure you, are you sure you don't live in LA? Because you know, we're scared of rain here. I grew up in the Midwest, so I can say that. Um, <laughs> I do want to address something that, that Melissa said, and I love that we totally went off the rails because this is such an important conversation that not enough people are having. But Melissa writes, we people with disabilities aren't on many stages. We have to set up our own conferences, et cetera. What sort of insight, advice can we give Melissa and other people who are coming at it from the... I want to speak more. I, I oh, Robbie, virtual, mind? I will just say virtual is a really big thing. So yeah. go ahead. Thank you, Robbie. Uh, one piece I do want to give here, which is the reward for doing the work, is that someone will come to your program and feel included. Because mm. there is nothing else worse than going somewhere thinking your people are there and somehow you have missed the message. Right. But, you know, I've had um, multiple cases where people come to a part and let's say they were able to remove they were allergic to nightshades. They removed tomatoes from all the menus just so nobody it wasn't a big issue for that. And this person came back and just said to the chef and the organizer saying, thank you so much for doing this so that I could attend here 100 percent. Right. And I think that's the one part. And the second part about this is if you are in any form of shape of leadership or control, Put these people on your stage. And I, I'm actually now on my soapbox right now. Uh, Asian Pacific Islanders, six and a half percent right now on average of America. But in a recent conference of the 73 people that were listed on the speaker page, there were no Asians. We had our own conference locally. There was no Asians. And only by saying something were we able to install a panel of people that uh, we have been meeting with for the last seven months and now just substitute Asian American for whatever piece of diversity you want to talk about. And we are truly missing from a whole bunch of these stages. And I will give you a reason, Mr. or Ms. X event manager. If you put different people on your stages, you will attract a more diverse mm. and larger yeah. audience. Touching, yes. You know, if if I look at the pictures from a conference, a previous event, and I see no women there, I am reluctant to go. And I know a lot of other groups that feel the same way. I look at a lot of these venture capital conferences where sometimes I'm asked to speak because I've helped companies raise like $4 billion. And I'm not exaggerating. That's the actual amount. And I get asked to speak and I look at the pictures from previous events and there's not a single woman or there's one woman. They'll have a panel of seven guys and one woman is the moderator. Mm. There's a real big message that it's sending me. 
So, you know, if you are bringing in new people to your event and you're putting them on stage, they're tweeting about it, they're blogging about it, they're posting at places, and they're connecting with their network. And that network is probably looking a little different than yours. So it's a new way to reach people. It's a new way to sell additional tickets. Come on, you can do it. And so, Bobby, did you see the comment from Samantha? Do you know Samantha? She sounds like your people. She said, make sure you don't have cishet, able-bodied white man mammals. mammals. <laughs> Samantha Love Evans that. is the, yeah, the, right? She's a diversity expert. You got to meet her. If you haven't I met her, you to get on the show, Deb. Um, anybody, any of you want to introduce me to, to bring on? Gold Chat Live, I am always willing to, to meet people and have conversations. I also want to say, Melissa, it looks like you got a stage because John Chen put in the comments, I will put you on my stage. So well, there you go. And, yeah. and what did you do? You, you showed up, you chose yourself, you chose your speaker goals. You don't know what's going to come of any and every conversation. And if you are tuning in and you want to be a guest, please reach out. Let's have a conversation and find a good topic because I get to bring three friends together every week. So always an adventure, especially with you awesome people. Now, I I have to jump in and say, I, I saw quickly like Samantha Evans and I'm like, I don't know that I know her. And I looked and I'm already following her on LinkedIn. Uh (laughs) So obviously I've stumbled across Samantha before and said, Ooh, I don't know who you are, but you're cool. (laughs) And can I tell you it? And I'm sure I told this story the last time you all were on the show, but Bobby, it's your fault. I know John Chen because you've hosted in the innovation women group that John Chen was looking to interview people. And I said, me, me, me. And the next day we were at the same conference, which by the way, star marketing summit, I spoke at in January, I did a pep talk. So you never know. And I met Robbie because Julie Fry, who I met through um, my friends of Annie coalition said, what do you mean? You don't know Robbie Samuels because of course I knew you, but I didn't know you. So it goes back. Whatever opportunity you are at, whether it is a podcast or a live show or at a conference or a workshop, whether it's live or in person, opportunities are everywhere because people are everywhere. Robbie, you're going to say something. I actually, because I mentioned earlier being an outgoing extrovert, I wanted to actually mention how speaking is really beneficial for introverts. Mm-hmm. And you will find a lot of speakers are introverts and that being on a stage presenting is very different than being at a networking event where you're trying to work a room. And when you get off the stage, everyone knows you and wants to come talk to you. So you can just hold court. So if you have a hesitancy about going out and being seen and connecting with people and a hard you have to work to be visible and break into those annoying clusters that I call bagels instead of the croissants they should be, that get an opportunity to either be on this, the actual stage or say one really thoughtful comment or question while you stand up so people know who you are and you will attract people. So speaking sometimes isn't about being on the main stage. It's about using your your voice, which might be text and chat, you know, or it might be speaking up verbally on the microphone in person, but saying something that, that helps people know, oh, you get it too. Oh, I get it too. So, I mean, I've worked with people who are super shy introverts about using 
um, their ability to speak up and whatever that looks like in that medium to stand out and be seen and attract a lot of the right people. And it's a lot easier to network when people know your name and want to know more about you. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think speaking has that going for it as well. I agree. I'm an introvert myself and speaking at first was hard, you know, because nobody expected me, I think, to be a good speaker. And I actually do expect introverts to be a good speaker. You know why? Because extroverts have been told their entire lives that they would be great public speakers. So what happens is they jump out on the stage and they're not fully prepared. <laughs> Meanwhile, an introvert is like, I'm going to be practiced. I'm going to know exactly what I'm going to say. I'm going to do my homework. And I'm like, yay for the introverts. So I always want to do a little special shout out and encouragement to all the introverts in the world. You can do it. I know you can. And or shy people. And or shy people. Yeah. Two different things. Two different things. Two different things. I feel like we should give people goals. I mean, I feel like we've been giving people goals the entire conversation. And there's so much wonderful information. Thank you so much. I'm going to have so much fun recapping this conversation because I've been too busy to take notes, just completely engaged. Um, but you can go to the devmethod.com slash blog for the recap. And well, at the very least, the goals that we are about to gift. So John, what speaker goal would you like to gift to the people? I'll re-gift this part which is if you want to be a speaker, you said you want to be on a podcast, I'll just get rid of one of them right now. So I run an engaging virtual meetings interview and I'm on episode like 68. You know, the cool part about being even remotely consistent, right? I, Deb's even more consistent than I am. All I do is I just do one when somebody schedules. So I just do it whenever, but Deb actually is on a same day, same time like basis. But uh, I have already chatted in the social media parts here. If you want to be on an interview show, be on my interview show. I'm also going to chat another thing too, which is if I want, I'm on, one of my goals for 2023 is I want everyone who is thinking about being on virtual, that you stop thinking about virtual being temporary and that you just do one thing to further improve your virtual setup. It could be a new mic. It could be a new light. It could be a pair of headphones. I don't care what it is right? It could be just moving something in your background, like into another place. So it could be that simple, but I just want people to do one thing that if they are going to have a virtual presence, that they should invest in it. And yeah, that's, that's my gifts for today, Deborah. So two goals. If you want to be a speaker, no more excuses. You could be on John's show. Also, like I said, reach out to me, info at thedebmethod.com or message me LinkedIn. John's is much easier. Just click a link and actually just schedule yourself, which is pretty amazing. Um, and also do one thing to improve your virtual setup. Great goals. I want to give a bonus goal because I love this panel and I have to have you three back. What do you all want us to talk about the next time I bring John, Bobby, and Robbie together? So while we are gifting goals, your goal is also to gift us the next topic for this conversation. Robbie, what goal do you have to gift? I couldn't know if you said Robbie or Bobby. I wondered that. <laughs> Who did you intend, Deborah? I intended whoever wants to talk first. <laughs> Robbie, let's 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 do you and then 
we'll get to Bobby. And Bobby, you can answer the next question first. We have a plan. Okay. I'm going to borrow an idea from my friend Blake Fly, and that is to set the goal of doing a 10-talk tour. Whatever that might mean. It could mean get on 10 podcasts. It could mean do 10 free talks. It could be to put out that you're going to be in these 10 cities on these particular timeframes and go find places that will host you while you're in Phoenix, Arizona. And then when you're in LA and you just make it happen. Um, for me, I'm doing it around my new book where I am working to get um, able to speak at membership organizations. So membership groups, uh, chapters of associations, that kind of thing. But I just think the effort to be on 10 stages where you think about it as a, a themed thing is a hook. So you need to find a hook for why you're reaching out to people which is a little bit different than just filling out the applications that other people put out. It's you saying, hey, I'm going to be in your area or I'm doing 10 talks around this topic and I would love to reach your audience while I'm doing this. And, and it could be enough to get someone's attention um, to say yes to you or for you to learn a lot in the process about how to pitch yourself better. Because the more you put yourself out there, the more stages you're going to be on mm -hmm. and nothing hurts when you ask. Right. But when you don't ask, what is the answer? No, <laughs> there isn't I was one. expecting <laughs> like group yeah. anticipation. Um, you have nothing to lose except for your lack of talking stages, et cetera. Bobby, what goal would you like to gift? I would like to gift to people the goal of making speaker friends. If you are going to get serious about your public speaking career, your public speaking business, you need people around you that are doing the same thing. Maybe they're a little bit ahead of you. Maybe they're around the same point you are, but you need people that you can talk to about what it is you're doing. People that will give you real feedback on how you're doing and how you're presenting is so hard to get. Like every time you get on stage, I don't know if you've got friends with you, you come off stage and they're like, oh, that was great. That was great. Lots of backpats and everything else. But other speakers will tell you, slow down, speed up, get more active. Like they'll give you real feedback, especially if you say, I want real feedback. Mm -hmm. I feel like only other speakers will really do that. And I do think, you know, there's a sense that people have where they'll say speaking, it's so personal. I don't want to discourage them. I don't want to, um, you know, stop them from speaking. So I'm just going to tell them it was wonderful. That's not helpful. So get other speakers because other speaker friends will help you. And the other benefit of speaker friends is leads. Absolutely. Right? Referrals. Yes. Um, Referrals are is, fantastic. Bobby does a wonderful Zoom every Friday for East Coasters at 9 a.m. Eastern, which I adore you, Bobby, but I'm not being camera ready at six in the hey, morning. It's okay. <laughs> once a month for first Fridays, we do the West Coast or West Coast Friendly at 9 a.m. Pacific, which I love. And one of the speaker friends I met last time, I already got two valuable referrals from. So you never know. 
but the more friends you have, the more friends you have. You can't reach your goals on your own. You need your people. Be each other's people. Down from soapboxes. Well so, so, Bobby, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on innovationwomen.com. And if you want to join one of our speaker friends, all you have to do is go and sign up for our newsletter, which is innovationwomen.com slash newsletter. And that will get you the link sent to you every Friday morning. And you know what? It's the same link every Friday morning. If you want to join and you can't make it this week or maybe next week, but you make it a month from now, just put it in your calendar and that same link will work and you can show up and you can join us. And like last week, I think we had about 75 speaker friends show up. It is so valuable. I am, I am a regular attendee. I love this community. You now offer people an opportunity to get in small groups. Um, is a lot of open conversation, getting answers to questions, praising and supporting each other. 15 second intros, which are actually done in 15 seconds. It, it's a different format <laughs> than anything timer. else I've seen. <laughs> and I think that you have developed a really great method. I, I'm like allergic to poorly run virtual events. I cannot stick around. So it's like too much cringe. But yeah. I, well, I really I'm value gonna, this. Space. I'm gonna I'm gonna break in on Robbie because everything I learned about Zoom, I learned from Robbie. So oh, you know, he's wow. like so far oh, and away God. above what I do. I can't <laughs> help but write notes to hosts. If I'm like, I really like your community and I want to keep going, can you please do this, this, and this? Yes, we have been using the same link for this Zoom since. March 2020. Yeah. And I'm terrified that at some point it's going to break. <laughs> break it. Yeah, the Bobby, re the so reoccurring hard. link. Yeah. Push it so hard it breaks. <laughs> the three-year-old link. Amazing. No, um, got, you know, kudos to Zoom that it still works. And yeah. and but I'm with you. I, I have a very low tolerance, low patience for events that suck. Because there's so many events out there. So why not make your event amazing? Maybe that is the next topic. Hmm. We will ponder. John, where can people find you? You can find me at uh, engagingvirtualmeetings.com. And I just released, I was allowed by my publisher to give away the first three chapters for free. So that is a brand new link on there. And I did want to offer that. Deb, here's my topic, virtual goal disasters. You know, one thing about the, the four people I see here on the screen that we're one is that we value authenticity and we're willing to be a little vulnerable. And I think that people would come back to this episode if they knew that we were going to share virtual goal disasters, including speaker stories and virtual meeting stories and other stuff. Because uh, I'd be willing to do that because I think there's so much more to learn in failure than there is in success. Back I will agree with that. <laughs> so virtual fails, is that what we're thinking for the next time? Speaker fails. Speaker fails. I just yeah. said virtual goal disasters. Like you set a goal to run something or speak on some stage and then it didn't turn out the way you expected. I just thought that might be one way to poke it. I actually did a survey last week, uh, no, two weeks ago on Innovation Women on our newsletter. And we've got like 23,000 people that uh, that uh, subscribe to this newsletter. 
And one of the things I asked was, what are the most annoying <laughs> speaker sins? And the one, take a guess, anybody? Greeting You're on mute. mute. I don't know. No, speaker, the most annoying to event manager speaker sins are the speakers who only talk about themselves. I call it the me, 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 (laughs) the me, me, me speakers. (laughs) That was by far and away the biggest issue. And I was like, I wouldn't have guessed that. I gave them the option of, Choosing things like the speaker who runs over, which also got a significant number of votes, um, you know, about the speaker who couldn't meet the deadlines, That's about true. the speaker who is boring. I thought boring would get more, but no, they they wanted boring above the speaker who talks about themselves. It's a different kind of boring. Mm. It's, a more, it's a more sinful kind of boring. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, and John was talking a little uh, just a minute ago about authenticity. Last week, I asked the event managers, tell me about the phrase or the word that describes speakers that you really want to see. I put in words like exciting and relevant and educational. Number one word, authentic. authentic. Mm, that's awesome. So, um, and I'm going to also uh, do a answer to Angela who put a question in the chat, not to jinx anything, but I'd be afraid of zoom bombing with the same link every time, believe it or not, three years it's only happened once. And we tossed the person immediately. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you know, good, if you have good settings and I'm happy to meet with you, Bobby and your team, yeah. because um, particularly with a new enhanced chat feature, you can even delete things that people post in yep. chat. But you can you can really lock down um, pretty well uh, for most people. I actually just this past month had eight people try to be disruptive on a link. And it's because I sent out an email, not just through Zoom, but I sent an actual email. I think I woke up some Zoom bombers who had joined in 2020 <laughs> who realized that they still had access. But um I I made it educational, but everything was locked down. No one got the microphone. No one got to share anything. Someone wrote something weird in chat and I deleted it. And boom, boom. and it was just like, people were like, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't help themselves, but pop up. They, they couldn't like sit there quietly and disrupt like 20 minutes in, you know, everyone had to do their thing within the first few minutes. It was very funny, but um, yeah, really knowing, knowing how to use these tools and how to pull the alarm in case of emergency, if it really came to that. But not that I would want this to happen to you, but it's really good to have those skills. And Robbie, I got to jump in here because you got to start putting the word reverse Zoom bombing in your vocabulary, which is <laughs> we now have Zoom bomb Zoom bombers. So one time we had we we're doing a Santa piece and somebody came in, tried to be disruptive. We kicked them out. They came back. We said, you want to play a prank on these people? And like, yeah, let's reverse Zoom bomb them. Everyone went dark except for Santa and somebody who had snap camera who was a cookie. And they started talking. A minute later, the Zoom botter said stuff. We muted them. 12 people showed up and started telling them what bad children they were and then started singing, here comes Santa Claus to them. (laughs) While that was being probably live streamed to Twitch. 
Yes. And that's uh, what they're doing. They're live streaming. It's like prank phone calls being live streamed with really bad audio. I don't know why, but Zoom bombers often have really bad audio. And I'm like, my what's running? I'm sorry. I can't. My what? My what's running? My what? Like, it's like prank calls gone bad. It is bad. And now we just handle them with grace and ease. Robbie and I and Bobby have all developed techniques for handling Zoom bombers. No no time at all. Yeah. So. So, Robbie, where can people find you? She said, <laughs> desperately trying to not On go link, two hours, which is fine. That's fine. I do have to wrap in a moment. So, RobbieSamuels.com forward slash breakout launch is how people can join the launch team for my book, Breakout or Boredom, Low-Tech Solutions for Highly Engaging Zoom Events. If you join the launch team, you get early access and bonus content, including you get invited to a free training I'm offering on the book content on March 1st, just for launch team members. Um, this is the kind of thing I will be charging for on my talk tour. Uh, and RobbieSamuels.com for just who I am and what I do in the world uh, with and outside of Zoom. And thank you for the invitation to be here. This has been a fun conversation. And I'm on Robbie's book launch team. So good luck, Robbie. Uh, thank you. Yay, no more no more bad zoom.com is yet another place to find me. It's my first Friday of the month event. And okay. don't forget to put it in your promote yourself button on innovation. Women. As soon as it's to the point where I have a gal galley, I will do that. I don't want to jinx. So we, we all waited for the last two minutes, right? That's how good professional we are. We just waited for the last and we're all promoting. Like you're not coming back. You three. It's great though. I mean, it, this is, if people are still here, they, they deserve to know how to find us. <laughs> and you can go to the devmethod.com slash blog for the recap to this. And I'm also going to put the link to our conversation on virtual meetings as well in the recap. And oh my goodness, you all are amazing, but I still want a final thought from each of you. So Robbie, final thought. Improve every time uh, you're speaking or hosting online by 5% and you will be phenomenal in short order. Start with looking at the camera more than anywhere else. Um, we, we're all do- doing multiple things on this live where we're trying to also respond in chat. And it's just for everyone watching, more engaging to see us looking back. So get 5% better every time you speak or host online. Love it. And Bobby... <laughs> Uh, what Robbie said, plus one. That is, that is my gift to you. The plus one, you know, we all learned to do it That's on it. Google Plus. If you can't add anything of value to the conversation when you're on a panel, just do plus one and your audience is going to go, oh, phew, we don't have to worry about somebody just rephrasing what the last person said. Mm-hmm. So you're saying plus one. Awesome. Plus Are one. you going to say plus two, John, or something else? Uh, set all your goals using debmethod.com. <laughs> and one of the other things I can actually add authentically here too, though, is set goals to collab with other people because, Deb, I haven't told you, I haven't told anybody else yet, but Deb and I set a goal to collab with each other because we just like each other and like the work we do. I'm very close to signing a deal to a conference that you could MC and run your pep in February. So everyone cross your fingers and just get that client and everyone say, sign the deal. There you go. Sign that deal. Wow. Back to you, Deb. Amazing. Well, I can't. 
That's awesome. But this is what happens when you have speaker friends, you bring people together, you have conversations, and you move forward. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you all so much, Bobby, Robbie, and John, for a, another wonderful Goal Chat Live slash The Deb Show conversation. If you're listening live, thank you. If you're watching the replay, chime in. And if you're listening to this as The Deb Show, we appreciate you. We are glad you chose this time and our speaker goals. Go on. We know you can do it. Thanks for listening to The Deb Show. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Need more inspiration and motivation? Connect with me on LinkedIn, follow at The Dev Method on social media, and check out thedevmethod.com. Best of luck with your goals, and remember, you can do it. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.